0: He was not a child but was in Children's Hospital. He was there because it was at that hospital that he and his family and the medical community for many, many years had fought a battle against childhood cancer. His family was there. The doctors and nurses were there. I was there. We all were there to be with him as he lost. That battle. No one spoke. There were tears in all of our eyes. And finally, his father, standing by him, choking back the tears, said, Oh, my dear, dear chap, how I wish. We could have done more. And the doctor with tears in his eyes, the nurses with tears in their eyes, nodded in agreement. And I remember thinking in that moment how much they had already done, how heroic had been the effort of the medical community. How committed they had been to finding a cure and administering a therapy that would save his life. And I remembered all of the sacrifices made by his family, by his mother and father and brother, by his grandparents. And now all they could say was, I wish we could have done more. It was one of the most painful moments I have ever witnessed. It was also one of the most deeply loving. When Jesus calls us to cross-bearing, He calls us really to love. Because love, if it is real, sooner or later will hurt. True love suffers. And Jesus teaches his disciples about the necessity of his suffering and of his death. And, of course, they protest, they object. They object because they are afraid. And who among us is not afraid of suffering? Suffering is our body's way and the world's way of saying to us something is wrong, something needs to change. None of us wants to suffer. And they objected also, I think, because they loved Jesus. We never want to see our beloved suffer, do we? We always wish there was more we could do to eliminate the suffering of those whom we love. And so the disciples, Peter, speaking for the rest, object to his prediction of his suffering. God forbid it, Lord. It must never be. But Jesus persists because Jesus knows that He and His Father intend to love the world to the final, full measure. Jesus knows that He and His Father intend to love the world with nothing held back, with nothing left out. They intend to give their all. And so Jesus says, I will go and suffer. And we know love because of this, 1 John 3.16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. First John fourteen, and this is love four ten, and this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We know love. We know the love of God because God has not held back anything, God has given all. So that there is no place, no tragedy no injustice, no violence where God's love has not already reached. There is no dark corner into which God's love has not shown the light of salvation. We were wondering, of course, about God and Hurricane Harvey. And I'm certain that the people who suffered that great tragedy had to wonder, where is God? Where is God? And we think of that in terms of God somehow intervening to, to eliminate that suffering, to ameliorate that pain, and yet that is not what happened. And the people there are in great distress. And it is surely hard for them to know it now, but the truth is that God is with them. God was with them. God is with them. God will be with them in their suffering because God has already included their suffering in his own. And so Jesus teaches us about the necessity of our own suffering. He says, whoever would follow me, whoever would be my disciple, whoever would go with Jesus all the way, Whoever would follow Jesus into that place to which he is trying to lead us all, whoever would know the fullness of who he is, must deny self, must deny the false self, must deny the small self, the the, the frightened, the immature self, the self-centered self, the self defined by anything other than Jesus, must deny... Really, that most basic of human instincts, that of self preservation, must move beyond the concern of self preservation. Whoever would follow me must deny self, must deny the false self, take up the cross, take up the cross, move into life with an essential vulnerability, a willingness to love even until it hurts. Now, this is not a call to be a doormat. This is not an excuse for abuse. Jesus didn't just let people run over him. He said at one point, nobody takes my life. I lay it down of my own accord. So the apostle Paul Folks didn't just run over him willy-nilly. To take up the cross is rather a choice, a choice we make to enter into the fullness of life, to embrace life in all of its dimensions, including those painful dimensions. And we bear the cross by saying yes to love in those hurtful places. And cross-bearing is always lonely, it is always painful, it really is never pleasant, and yet we should remember that there is no cross we bear that Christ has not already borne for us, so that it is really a sharing in His cross. That he is already born for us. And Jesus says, If you would be my disciple, then take the thyself, take up the cross, and follow me. Keep on going. Don't stop. Keep moving forward until you reach the destination. When I was a district superintendent, I sometimes had to have conversation with preachers who were in painful circumstances. Believe it or not, church work can sometimes be painful. And when a preacher would come to me telling me of a hard circumstance, I had two questions. I would ask, first of all, is there any chance that you are contributing unnecessarily to your own misery? And believe it or not, most of them would say, yes, I I am. And I would say, well, you need to stop. Don't do something to hurt yourself. Be wise. But then beyond that, I would ask them, to the extent that your suffering is not something that you are causing, to the extent that it is beyond your control. What do you need to get through it? What do you need to make it? And surprisingly, they would almost always say, well, I need prayer. I need for you to pray for me, and I need to know the grace of God. Now, this is not to make light of any suffering, but the truth is that God is with us and that God uses us to love in those hard circumstances. And Jesus said to those disciples, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in His glory. And of course, these disciples would see that, wouldn't they? They would see Jesus enter into his glory in his resurrection. They would see Jesus enter into his glory in the birth and the growth of the early church. They would see Jesus enter into his glory by the gift of courage that they would have to face those difficult places and times and moments. And we see it also, do we not? I shared with the early service this morning that this is the third version of this sermon. I discarded the first version on Thursday afternoon. I discarded the second version about noon yesterday. And I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. Preach a bad sermon, perhaps, but that didn't seem satisfactory. And so I just sat out on our patio and thought about it. And the story that I told you at the beginning of this sermon came into my mind. I had not thought about it in years. And it came into my mind and into my heart with such clarity, with such poignancy, that I found myself fighting back the tears. And so I would say that That hard moment which I experienced with that dear family has given substance to the gospel on this Sunday morning, all those years later. And so God is able to weave into His will all of those hard experiences. And we will see it in Houston. We will see it in the determination of those who are there to have faith, to keep going, to not give up. We will see it in the responsible actions of leaders. We will see it in the outpouring of compassion. We will see it in the United Methodist Committee on Relief. We will be there until the end. We are seeing it already this morning in your contributions to UMCorp. Sometimes love hurts. Holy Communion reminds us of that, doesn't it? Broken bread. Bread that is blessed, then broken, then shared. And so we are blessed and broken and shared, and so with gratitude, with confidence, we come to make our offerings. We come to the Lord's table to receive the means of grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.